0: The Ogden Music Festival is taking place May 31st through June 2nd at Fort Buenaventura in Ogden, Utah. The lineup includes Molly Tuttle and Golden Highway, Sarah Jarosz, Hayes Carl, Salise, Say she, she She, Las Cafeteras, Pixie and the Partygrass Boys, and so much more. Other activities include on-site camping, workshops, and a jam camp with headlining artists, yoga, and a kids zone. Kids 16 and under are free. Go to OFOAM.org to book your tickets. Here's what Salt Lake's talking about. There have been two recent resignations from the Salt Lake City Planning Commission, and the most recent was accompanied by a very pointed letter addressed to Mayor Aaron Mendenhall and Planning Director Nick Norris. The letter implied that the way we are going about land use decisions in this city could be a lot more effective. So we asked the author to clarify what she meant and how the commission intersects with our lives. It's Thursday, December 7th. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Andra Gent, you're a finance professor at the University of Utah who recently resigned from Salt Lake City's Planning Commission. Now, in your resignation letter, you said you were, and this is a quote, unable to make a positive difference for the city, the region, or the state as a commissioner. So I want to know what specific goals
1: did you want to accomplish when you joined the commission? That's a great question, Ellie. Uh, Thanks so much for having me on the show. I think I wanted to nudge the city towards a little bit more density because I was concerned about our air quality and affordability and walkability. So I moved here from North Carolina and I felt like there wasn't a lot of opportunity for that to become a walkable city. The nice Mm -hmm. thing about Salt Lake is the wide streets. We have lots of opportunities to sort of use that space more wisely. So that was sort of, I think, the goal when I joined the commission. That said, Mm -hmm. I was also just curious to learn more. Uh, I didn't know exactly how commissions worked, and I wanted to get more hands-on experience with the planning process. I'm an urban economist, and we study land use regulation at sort of a a higher level. But the practical day-to-day stuff was something I really wanted to get experience on. So I I learned a lot about that, and I felt like I wasn't learning anymore. And then in terms of nudging it in a direction that I thought would improve our air quality and walkability, I didn't feel like I was able to do that.
0: I'm interested to hear... That you were feeling frustrated on the commission because it does feel like recently like there were some big hits during your time there. I mean, banning sugar house drive throughs is something building Salt Lake has ostensibly credited you with. That feels big for that neighborhood. Removing some of the red tape around accessory dwelling units or like mother-in-law sort of units in currently single family zone neighborhoods. Uh, Do you feel so like, much.
1: I guess, like I mean, on the margin, you know, there's, uh, you know, obviously my fellow planning commissioners were a big part of both of those changes as well. You know, I have felt a little bit like we've had several resignations on the planning commission in the last, in the last several months. And I, I did feel like the changing of the guard kind of was away from that sort of direction. And so I think that sort of concerned me is the commissioners that left sort of had, a little more background in, in real estate. And then I think that we also had the new commissioners seem to be really car centric. And so that was sort of part of my, my concern. So I felt like kind of early on, yeah, I felt like we were having some successes. And then we seemed to be uh, the changing of the guard seemed to be a little less open to that.
0: Yeah. How would you characterize the relationship between like the planning commission and like the day to day life of a Salt Laker? <laughs> Because I think there's a disconnect there.
1: There is a disconnect between who is on the commission and particularly who participates in the process overall, not just who is a commissioner, but who actually engages deeply with the process. And that, um, you know, as you know, our median age is about 34. Is that, am am I getting that stat right? We're about 52% renters, you know, about 20% of our population is Latino, If you go to a planning commission meeting, you would think that, like, the median age is 64. And it's, you know, I'd say 95% of the people involved in the process are white. And I would say it's, you know, similarly about 95% homeowners. So I do think there is a difference in who's participating in the process. I think the people that at least show up to the hearings tend to have a little more time than the average Salt Laker. Mm. I think the average Salt Laker is probably working 40 hours a week and may have young children, and may just not have the time to attend a public meeting. Because I think that's the main thing. Like, who, who wants to spend their Wednesday night coming downtown and giving public comment on the fact a bar might be opening, you know, three blocks away? It, it seems to be selected. Well you have
0: managed to give the most compelling example because that's the one I think I would show up for. (laughs) Some of the other stuff, like these are hours, I mean, it is my job to pay attention to this stuff and like these are hours and hours long meetings. Like they are a slog. Yeah, I thought it was interesting in your letter that you said that there's basically too much public comment and that the public comment ends up being about things that the commission has no control over. How can we get better public comment?
1: Yeah. Okay. So I I want to distinguish something that I don't think most Salt Lakers will understand. The job of the Planning Commission, one is they make decisions about what we call administrative matters. And so they, a conditional use permit, design review, subdivisions, they have authority. So they are making decisions on behalf of the city of Salt Lake. So if the applicant doesn't get what they want, their next process is to actually sue the city. Okay. So it doesn't go to city council. Those are administrative matters. The other function of the planning commission is to advise on legislative issues. And so zoning changes, that's the biggest thing they do. And that's, you know, general plans. If we were in the process of updating our general plan, that would be in the purview of the advisory capacity of the planning commission. Okay. So I say they're legislative issues because the planning commission does not decide. That is city council. Okay. So we have state requirements on legislative matters to hold public hearings. Okay. So that is not within Salt Lake City's ability to change. So we have to hold public hearings. So if we didn't want to hold public hearings on that, the state legislature would have to change that. Okay. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. The administrative matters tend to be smaller, and Salt Lake City is not required by state law to hold public hearings. I think where there was a lot of confusion with the public is the typical thing we'd see is we would get a request to go through a design review because the home builder wanted another like five feet of height. They were already entitled to, let's say, 50 feet, and they had to go through design review if they wanted another five feet. So typically the situation is that this parcel of land is already zoned for multifamily buildings. That's not what the hearing is about. The hearing is not about whether It should be zoned for a multifamily building. That's already set. Okay, that's already in the zoning. Our job as a planning commissioner is to compare like what's the absolute worst thing they could build by right with what they're proposing. So the job of the applicant is like, let me tell you what I could build by right. And then let me tell you what I'm proposing. And typically they're going to argue that what they're proposing, the five feet of extra height, well, it's not what they can build by right. It's better than what they could, and therefore we should approve it. Sounds like a courtroom. It is, so yes, actually, I think that's a very important distinction is that, again, on these administrative matters, we are the ones deciding. And so it is very important to be careful about it, right? Because the city doesn't want to get sued. And like the last thing you want as a planning commission is to get sued, right? This is like you're just creating problems for the city at that point. So yeah, it, it is legalistic, these administrative matters. And you probably follow the come and go situation, right? Where we were up yeah. against really big stakes, right? This is a corporation with a lot of money and they're going to fight it tooth and nail. So they are going to go, they're going to throw the book legally at us as a city. And you're talking about the, the come and go
0: That was planned for the, what is that, the southwest corner of Sugarhouse Park. Yes, the Sizzler site. The people of Sugarhouse were not fond of that, and I'm sure your inbox
1: was flooded. Uh, Yeah, my inbox was not personally, but we did get, I think, something, it was something like 500 pages of public comment. This is actually a good example. So in zoning, there are permitted uses, and then there are conditional uses. A gas station was a conditional use, not a permitted use. What a conditional use means is that if they can mitigate potential adverse effects, we have to approve it, more or less, as a planning commission. So Hmm. our job was to figure out, is it possible for the come and go to mitigate the potential adverse effects? And they're very specific what those adverse effects can be. But again, the public comment, some of it was relevant to mitigating these issues, but a lot of it was like, I don't like a gas station. Or, there's going to be spills because, you know, a lot of the public comment fo- focused on spills from gas stations. Any gas station being built today is built to much higher environmental standards. So I think we would have lost as a city if we'd gone purely on that risk. But the public was focused on that. So anyway, that's that's sort of the – these are the administrative matters. So getting back to the, like, what how much time is spent on public comment and is it useful, I think – You know, it's good to educate the public a little bit more on land use and and what is within the purview of the planning commission. But I think a lot of times people were just frustrated with things in the city. And I felt like maybe that was a better conversation to have with their city councilor than to come Mm. to the planning commission. You know, oftentimes it was like, I don't know why there's so much traffic. Um, And it wasn't even specific to like one site. Or it was like, why are they building market rate apartments here? And I'm like, it's zoned for a market rate apartment. Like, I can't change that.
0: Right. It's more of a gripe fest. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of like, you know, when you go to a film screening and there's a Q&A after? Yeah. And then there's always that person who doesn't ask a question. They just give a really long comment on how they <laughs> felt about the film. And you're like, this is not a good use of our time and resources collectively
1: right now. Yeah, and I think there needs to be form where we have these conversations, right? As a city. And the issue is we're so constrained on time during these meetings and it's hard to get qualified people to do the job. Like, you know, the people during my time on the commission, we had one planning commissioner who had a full-time job and young kids. And he eventually, you know, he resigned after less than a year because the, the workload was just overwhelming. And so I think in terms of getting people that are qualified and represented, if we could reduce the burden a little bit, I, I think that would really help.
0: The Living Traditions Festival is back in downtown Salt Lake City, May 17th through 19th. And this is when I come alive. It is so easy to sell me on three days of Washington Square and Library Square converting to a global food court, and this festival has truly been one of my favorites for years now. Living Traditions convenes the diversity of artistic traditions, food heritage, music, and art from the many cultures that have made Utah their home. And be one in a class of 19, not 100. Well, I want to talk about that because what I'm hearing you say is basically like what the planning commission needs is maybe not more authority, but more time to move quickly through some of these administrative items.
1: Yes, absolutely. And
0: more expertise. Because the stakes can be really high for some of these decisions, whether they are advising the city council on something like a a plan or an administrative item. And yet the thing about these city boards and commissions is that they're mostly made up of regular people volunteering their time. Like we on this show are constantly telling people, go get on these boards and commissions.
1: This is where the rubber meets the road. So like, how do you balance all of that? It's a great question. And I think it's not unique to Salt Lake, right? So I, I work on housing affordability. I, I teach a class on affordability. And the economists sort of identified that we've had a huge decrease in affordability in the last 40, 50 years. And a significant part of that is we've seen a huge increase in land use regulation at the same time. And I think some of it is the planning process. Every time it's discretionary, you add to costs. Every level of discretion, you also open the potential for corruption, right? Because anytime there's discretionary processes, what do I want to do as a developer? You know, at a minimum, I'm going to try to engage with my elected officials because they have decisions. The more buy right development you have, the less time it takes to build a project, the lower the rents are going to be. And then you also open it up to more parties. So instead of having to be a really well connected developer, maybe somebody who doesn't have the connections in that city has a chance. I think the level of public discretion doesn't serve the goal of affordability. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure what we get out of it. I'm not sure people are really happier with the outcome. And we know it's hurting affordability.
0: So my interpretation of what you're saying is we should be less precious. (laughs) Is that right? Like that we should just be rezoning Areas as opposed to being precious with bit by bit changes or developments. Oh,
1: for sure. So citywide develop citywide zoning changes would be a huge improvement, right? We do see a lot of individual parcels getting zoning upzone requests, um, and I would much prefer to see a citywide change in zoning. But I think also, like we have a lot of different zoning codes. And there's a lot of like little nuances to them that I'm not sure we really need that level of detail specified, you know, in terms of what's the setback, what's the height, what materials are allowed. Like, I don't know that we necessarily need that level of oversight of the development process. Hearing you say that, I think
0: what I worry about is that it requires a lot of public trust, like I think it would require a lot of trust in the planning commission for people to feel comfortable saying, you know what, you guys upzone, rezone, let's go across the board, let's make big sweeping changes. When I mean to your point like there have been several resignations lately, there's a misunderstanding of the process, and I'm hearing you say the commission lacks expertise. So if people feel like their commission lacks expertise, why should they trust this the decision making?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question how you balance that. Um, I do think when you get options to nominate people that have expertise, I do think you need to to consider those very seriously. Um, Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of things that could be delegated to staff um, that we're not delegating to staff. More things could be delegated to staff. Now, staff have a particular perspective. They tend to be trained in planning schools, but, you know, they at least know the details of what's going on in the city. So I think that 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 would help the process. It does require some trust, but Ali, like I've been involved with the Federal Reserve for a long time, and I'm telling you, they just go by policy. You know, there's not this public consultation, and like financial regulation. You know, I'm a finance professor, and this idea of actively soliciting feedback all the time, I don't know. Like it's just weird coming from a finance background to see this level of engagement. And again, if I thought we got a random cross-section of the public, I'd feel more comfortable with it. But I, we're not getting that at all. The verbal public comment is really selected. You know, I've said it before, they're, they're just overwhelmingly homeowners.
0: Okay. So key takeaways here from your experience, like how can the planning commission be more effective?
1: Yeah. So a couple of things. I would, first of all, again, actively recruit people with expertise in real estate and urban economics it would be if housing affordability is a first order problem, we need people who know something about that. Second, I would eliminate the public hearings on administrative matters, but I would accept written comment for a couple of reasons. I like written comment a lot more. One, most of us read like something like four times faster than we listen. But again, so we can just process a lot of verbal uh, written comment faster than verbal comment, Um, The other thing is I think you get a broader cross-section of participation in written comment because I'm much more willing to send a quick email than I am to to devote my Wednesday night to going to a meeting. I also think that planning commissioners have more time to reflect on written comment before the meeting. I would also try to, in in the interest of getting a broader set of people that can participate in planning commission meetings, I would try to adjourn, you know, target 8.30 as an end time or 9 p.m., because then you can get people who have full-time jobs and kids, you know, who can participate. It's still hard, but I think that gives a broader option if you have some end time. Um, And I think there's not an open business item right now on the Planning Commission agendas in Salt Lake, in part because we're spending so much time on verbal comment that we might not have time for, but it also sort of limits the power of Planning Commissioners when you can't say, hey, can we consider you know, this same change to the zoning. Because the Planning Commission is one of the bodies that can initiate zoning changes citywide, like we did in the Sugar House example.
0: Hmm. Okay. So it's like so much time is spent on
1: review that there's less time for brainstorming? Exactly. So much time is spent on like little items that there's no opportunity to make like bigger changes. Well, I mean, your resignation letter was pretty
0: spicy by planning commission standards. And there are multiple openings on the commission now, as you mentioned, like there have been a number of resignations. Would you recommend people apply
1: after your experience? Uh, yes, I would especially recommend your listeners, Allie. Um No, <laughs> in all seriousness, um, I learned a lot through the process. I also made friends. And I feel like I would ask both the planning director and the current chair of the commission, you know, what changes, you know, what do you see as the role of a commissioner and and sort of see if you can feel like it would be a good use of your time. Yeah, we desperately need people who are seriously interested in urban issues engaged in this. So, again, I learned a lot and I'm not regretful at all. Um, Yes, my letter was pointed, Uh, pointed, spicy. I I felt scathing was a strong term, but I'd say pointed. Um, But, yeah, I do, and I hope some of your listeners consider joining. Andrew Gant, former
0: Salt Lake City Planning Commissioner, thank you for your time and for your service on the commission. Thank you so much, Allie. Cheers. It seems only fair to ask SLC's planning director, Nick Norris, for his thoughts here. After all, he's the city employee tasked with planning, and Andrew's letter was addressed to him and to Mayor Mendenhall. Here's what he told us. Quote, the commission indicated that they would like to discuss some aspects of Andrew Gent's resignation letter at a later date that is TBD. We are breaking down the time spent during recent commission meetings so that we can use data to help determine how to improve commission meetings, which is an ongoing goal of the city. End quote. At current, the planning commission meets twice a month and can have anywhere from 9 to 11 members. Are you interested? (laughs) If you would like to apply to fill one of its three vacancies, I dropped a link in the show notes for you. Among a few other qualifications, you do need to be a resident of Salt Lake City. That is all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. We will be back tomorrow morning with more from around this city.
1: Bye.